You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Locked on Browns podcast. Let me explain to you why the introduction to Highway to Hell from ACDC was appropriate because I'm not sure how bad the Browns and Steelers will be this week, but I'm pretty confident it is not going to be good. The Browns, this uh, today, starting with Cameron Irving and then kind of extended throughout, have decided it is time to play around with their offensive line. That offensive line that many fans have uh, criticized, that was terrible, all those kind of things. Um, Yeah, let's play with that. Let's uh, give Cameron Irving reps at right tackle. Let's possibly move Austin Pastor inside. Um, who knows what you're going to do with Sean Coleman, uh, Fabiano, is he going to take, uh, be giving the snaps at center? So we have that on the Brown side, uh, which seems to also point to a little bit of desire to tank a little bit, uh, by the front office, but that's just, uh, kind of rumor building and, you know, those kind of things. And then you have the Steelers who have decided that rest and protection are the words that they will talk about when it comes to players like Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, and the rest of the cast. And so it is very, very possible uh, because of the Steelers' desire to be healthy going into the playoffs as the three seed and the Browns' seeming desire to lose the game, as well as just get an idea of what they have, that's the game this week is not going to be pretty. And so welcome in again to this Lockdown Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. You can get me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. And so we'll start right there uh, talking about Cameron Irving's move to right tackle, because that's kind of the big news right now. And I think um, we really just need to address it. Irving has been really the whipping boy for most Browns fans, um, really since he was drafted. The Browns, most Browns fans wanted some type of uh, what they would consider impact dynamite um, player at that position after getting Danny Shelton for the middle of the defensive line. Uh, Cameron Irving wasn't enough pop, wasn't exciting enough, wasn't a wide receiver. Uh, As we know, Ray Farmer... Uh, believed in building the team from the inside out. And so in that regards, uh, Danny Shelton and Cam Irving made a lot of sense. Both uh, were highly sought after prospects. Most had Irving being drafted in the first round, if not high in the second round. So if the Browns, quote unquote, overdrafted him, it was by about 13 picks. So we're not talking about uh, a couple rounds. We're talking about a few picks. And so Irving... Um, a lot of athletic ability, 
has played better than most fans would like to acknowledge this year. He's had his terrible, terrible plays that are uh, meme gif worthy. Uh, Vine before it goes out of business could make a lot of money off of Danny or of Cameron Irving. But now moving him out to right tackle is a little bit confusing after really sticking by him all season long when he wasn't injured um, after the Baltimore game early in the season. They really stuck with Cameron Irving. So now after getting their one win, they want to experiment. And many people are kind of talking about what that could mean um, because Irving actually talked about it as um, he might play some snaps at right tackle. And so the idea of having Cameron Irvin uh, maybe start at center and then play right tackle or play right tackle and then go to center doesn't make any sense to me. If you're going to try him out there, try him out there, play him there. Um, if you don't think he's playing well, it is what it is. But um, the idea of Irvin at right tackle is a little concerning. While he has the height, six foot five, and length, uh, he has struggled in space. He has often seemed to struggle when he's had to think. And I don't mean that in any negative way towards him, but in college, he was able to kind of make up for all of that with his athletic ability. In the pros, that just isn't really an option. And so at right tackle, where you need to set the edge, uh, where you need to uh, protect your quarterback from normally some pretty good pass rushers, it's no longer just the left tackle that actually has to um, protect the quarterback and is facing really good pass rushers, but it's often often the right tackle as well. Uh, Steve from Pro Football Focus actually has done an article a few years ago, and he sticks with it now, um, that there should really no, be no difference between right tackle and left tackle based on uh, pressures and statistics and the type of pass rushers, because you can move the Vaughn Millers of the world around uh, so they can attack whoever your weakest offensive lineman is. And so Urban at right tackle is a little concerning for me. For me, Urban's best place as is at guard. I think where he has struggled the most is snapping the ball, getting his head up, figuring out where he needs to go from there. Uh, but at, at guard, whether right or left, uh, long term, that would be right with Joel Batonio at left. Urban provides a lot of athletic ability, the ability to kind of road grade uh, as a run blocker, um, but to pass protect decently as well and have his head up the whole time. And so it's a little surprising that the Browns have decided that it's time to shuffle the offensive line because they've had to do some of that most of the season. And even during all that different shuffling, so John Greco's injury, Joel Batonio's injury, they never thought to move Cameron Irving outside. Maybe that's because of who got injured. But the reality is, is that shuffling for shuffling's sake doesn't make any sense. Some people will assume this means the Browns are done with Cameron Irving and that they will cut him. I don't know if there's any real reason for them to do that. Irving hasn't played great, but he hasn't been terrible. He doesn't cost a ton of money. He could be a very useful backup at worst. And so cutting him just to cut him doesn't make a lot of sense unless there's some off-field issues, um, attitude, work ethic, those kind of things. But we've heard nothing like that, and we expect nothing like that based on the Cameron Irving reports that we had coming out of college, uh, hard worker, those kind of things. And so the Browns are going to experiment. Uh, the Browns, as an organization, love uh, athletic, run-fast uh, jump high kind of guys, and Cameron Irving for an offensive lineman is that guy. Could he shock us as a right tackle? Maybe. What does that mean for Sean Coleman? I don't know. Maybe nothing. 
but if you want to see how someone's going to play, maybe that's where you put Coleman in in the last game of the season, move Austin Pastor over to right guard. Maybe it's one of the reasons you cut Jonathan Cooper. I don't know, but Cameron Irving at right tackle just seems a little odd going into the last game of the season, unless the Browns just want to play around and the Browns want to make sure they lose this game while getting some vital video of some of their young players doing some different things. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Browns pull out a lot of stops, do a lot of random things to get some stuff on film, to get some things to evaluate. So screens to Corey Coleman, reverses, uh, wide receiver, reverse pass, halfback pass, a lot of options that I wouldn't be shocked to see the Browns do. And then from a defensive perspective, to see them just come with all-out pressure and blitz just to see who can get to uh, the quarterback. That would really kind of be the um, what makes sense based on what we're seeing from the Browns as the Steelers look to rest their guys. Yesterday in the Locked On Browns number 53, I hit on Tyrod Taylor, uh, everything going on with him in Buffalo, and uh, the fact that I really believe that he could be the man uh, for the Cleveland Browns. That doesn't mean he will be. It's possible that another team like Denver or uh, someone of that ilk, Jacksonville, who knows, uh, the New York Jets, uh, those kind of teams could make a play, make a trade for him, something the Browns may not be willing to do, or trade higher than the Browns are willing to do. And maybe his too small, uh, maybe um, Hugh Jackson, Sashi Brown want to just start over with a fresh rookie. Um, but I've definitely found a couple things to be interesting uh, from a fan reaction perspective is there's a very clear idea of what most fans think. If a quarterback is in, in the league already, he better be playing for a winning team. Jimmy Garoppolo would be an example of that because he's playing for a winning team, even though he's actually not playing much uh, after the Tom Brady suspension, not playing at all. Um, he must be good. He was drafted second in the second round. He must be good. He's playing for a winning team. He's also bigger. Now, he's not huge compared to some other quarterbacks. But the second thing I found is that people really care about the size of a quarterback. Now, for a player like Robert Griffin III, who isn't real thick uh, and has a ton of injury histories, you can see why that could be a concern. But, but for a player like Tyrod Taylor or even Russell Wilson, doesn't seem to be as big of a concern, hasn't had a lot of injury issues. But when people think about quarterbacks, it's obvious that size matters to them. It's an idea that maybe it gives them a little bit more hope. Uh, maybe they'll be less injury prone. Maybe they can take hits. Maybe they can break tackles. Whatever it is, this is a gladiator kind of sport, so wanting the bigger guy isn't that surprising. Uh, and the third thing is is um, people still think wins and losses are a quarterback stat. So Tyrod Taylor, who has started most games for the Buffalo Bills, and I went over the stats yesterday, completing over 62% of his passes over the last two years, six interceptions in the last uh, each of the last two years, uh, 20 touchdowns, I believe it was 16 touchdowns this year, 20 the year before, ran for a ton of yards. Because With all of that, because the Bills have not had a playoff record or a playoff win, all of, all of them, that just goes to Taylor. That's Taylor's fault. And so it's just been an interesting kind of prospect to hear the kind of the response from, from fans. And that's okay. Fans are allowed to think what they are allowed to think. And, and we, we have to go with it. For me, next year, 
there are two versions of very similar quarterback rooms that I would love to see. And that is simply, if they trade for or sign Tyrod Taylor to a big contract, I would love to see some type of developmental quarterback starting around the second round. Or if they decide to trade up into the first round, late into the first round and get a player like Deshaun Watson, who everyone knows is kind of my guy. Um, but it could be a Patrick Mahomes later in the second, third, somewhere in that area. A developmental guy uh, to put into the system to develop behind a Tyrod Taylor. And then you have a Cody Kessler uh, really as the number two quarterback behind Tyrod. The other option would be going Robert Griffin III. Here's where I'd want the Browns to be a little bit more aggressive to make sure they got that quarterback. Uh, and again, have that person as the number three quarterback with RG3, uh, Cody Kessler, and then Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, whoever it is that they kind of see. But that's kind of what I expect the quarterback room to look like next year. Um, it's possible. The third option, really, uh, for talking about what's a possibility, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think is a possibility if first and fourth doesn't make any sense from the Browns' perspective, uh, given the contract they would have to give up. Um, but the third option really is looking at like a Mitch Trubisky uh, high in the draft, whether that's number one uh, or 10. Browns could draft uh, as high as eight with that Eagles pick. But I think you're really looking at those kind of options. You're looking at uh, Tyrod Taylor type, um, Robert Griffin III, or if they want to draft one really high, you're looking at probably Mitch Trubisky at that point in time. And so it's just interesting to look at that quarterback room. Um, all three of those excite me at different levels. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor, Deshaun Watson, Cody Kessler would be the perfect quarterback room for me. Would be okay with that same thing with Robert Griffin III over Tyrod Taylor. Uh, but that's just me, and I know a lot of fans are not happy with that idea. And finally today on this Locked on Browns podcast, I answer a couple questions from Twitter. Actually, I got them yesterday. Uh, before the Jonathan Cooper cut, so I had to move those to today. Um, but uh, at Twitter, at Jared K. Mueller, J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Got some questions, so I just want to hit on those uh, really, really quickly. Um, and so Sam Gold, who uh, loved the interaction with him, make sure you guys follow him at Sam Gold Nose. so that's nose as in K-N-O-W-S. Uh, what will the Steelers do starter-wise next game? Kind of already answered that, no Brown. Uh, no Bell, probably no Ben. Um, again, you can only have kind of seven inactives. You're going to have to have people playing. So they're going to have to have some starters. And I won't be upset if the Browns um, win that game. I prefer to keep the number one pick. Obviously, it just gives them more power, more control for whoever they want. But winning is something that teams should want to do. And so um, I won't be upset by that. I get it. I understand it. Um, beating the Steelers is a big thing. You saw last week what happened... Uh, just kind of the power of that win for the organization. And the idea of going into next season on a two-game winning streak, even though it would be the Steelers kind of quote-unquote backups, um, and to be honest, I don't think the Steelers are that good. Um, I've said it all season, starting with my uh, AFC North preview uh, early in the lockdown Browns time. I don't think the Browns are, or the Steelers are that good outside of uh, kind of their big three. They've got some other players, Cam Hayward. Uh, I like Ryan Shazier, but he's not great. Don't love... Uh, what Bud Dupree and Jarvis Jones have become. Don't really like their secondary that much. And so um, I don't think the Steelers are that good outside of their big three. Ben really carries them along with Bell and Brown. Um, and so without them, I actually wouldn't be shocked by a Browns win. And you know what? The Browns winning is what the end goal is. And so 
Um, the same way I've been happy with a week three, four, seven, whatever um, win they could have gotten in the season, I'll be happy with this win as well, as long as it is uh, another step in the development of their young players. Um, and then S. Peters 25001, who is trying to steal uh, a piece of who I am as the Cleveland Browns counselor. He comes as the Cleveland Browns therapist. Uh, he asks, what front office moves additions do you see in this offseason? What free agents are out there worth chasing? Here's the thing. I, I don't know how aggressive the Browns will be in free agency this year. When you think about uh, the moves that they need to make, they need to re-sign Terrell Pryor and Jamie Collins. Collins really was that early move. And so while you'll see that as uh, kind of one of the Browns signing their own, the reality is, is they just got him so that they could sign him or franchise tag him. They have to take care of those kind of um, big deals. And then I, I think they're going to prioritize extensions for Joel Batonio and um, who knows who else, but especially Joel Batonio, uh, Christian Kirksey, those kind of guys. I think extensions are going to be a big piece of this offseason, a way of spending that money. Obviously, if Tyrod Taylor becomes a free agent, I could see them going after him. Don't have to give up a draft pick. That'd be great. Um, and uh, I don't believe he would actually impact the um, comp compensatory picks uh, kind of equation that they go through. So I can see them going through that as well. Besides that, uh, Tremaine Johnson, the cornerback from St. Louis, uh, could be an interesting player. Uh, that's one area I could see them investing some money in. Um, or really, that's kind of it. I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money on the offensive line. Uh, I think they're going to invest defensively on the draft. And so Taylor and Johnson are really kind of the two big guys. And change your title, you are not the Cleveland Browns therapist. That's me, my man. And finally, my buddy Dom Verdell. Um, what's next for Josh McCown? Um, and so we'll start with that one. Josh McCown, I think, um, I don't, I think he's going to play, or I mean, he's going to be back next season where he is, is going to be an interesting process. Um, I think Josh cares so much and is such a, a great veteran that someone's going to bring him in. I think he makes a lot of sense in Dallas, uh, with that great offensive line, great run game with them most likely moving on from Tony Romo. What's the best thing Hugh, uh, has done, uh, this season? Um, honestly, I think Hugh has, Hugh has struggled uh, as a play caller, but I think what he's done is he's energized his team. He's energized his players. He's made his players want to play for him. The other thing he's done is he brought in some coordinators that maybe I wouldn't have, um, and some coaches that maybe I wouldn't have, but, um, has really trusted them to do their jobs. And so Hugh Jackson, you can tell by everything that we've seen that Hugh Jackson really believes uh, really has the players believing in him. And you can't really put a price on that uh, as a coach. And so that's huge. And then finally, what can game ops do to improve the experience? You know, honestly, I think for the Browns and for game operations, it's it's got to be about not trying to force anything. And so they can try new things. They can get creative. But they can't try to force things down our throat, right? So let's keep swagger around. That's fine. It's not a big deal. Um and I even think kind of the banners are, are really good. Um, but here's the thing. Even in kind of a half-empty stadium, I was proud of the, the noise that was made by uh, the team winning. Um, the fans were just into it. And so, honestly, I don't blame game operations. They can't really distract uh, the fans from the fact that the team is losing. Fans aren't going to be interested in those things. 
And so I think they can get a little bit more interactive. I think they could be kind of cool to see if they could somehow figure it out. Again, maybe it's against NFL rules, how to get some fan interaction the same way the NBA does uh, during timeouts, uh, some type of throwing, some type of kicking, even if it's from behind the goalpost or um, anything like that so they don't kind of quote-unquote ruin the field. I think they could do some of that kind of stuff. But they just have to try to make things natural instead of trying to force things down our throats. Let things build. But again, it doesn't matter. If the team's not winning, uh, the fans are not going to really be into no matter what they do. Again, you can always uh, send questions. Uh, just use the hashtag AskLOB. That's AskLOB. Send those to at Jared K. Mueller, J-A-R-E-D. K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by this Lockdown Browns podcast, and go Browns!